0: Welcome back to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded, the land of the Gubby Gubby people on the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging.
1: Today, we have a great chat with an incredible adventurer and athlete, Danny Longman. He joins us on Zoom all the way from the European mountains. Now, there are so many things we could have discussed with Danny as he holds world records in ocean rowing and open water swimming and has been on some incredible adventures. Our main focus today, however, was on his latest world record achievement of being the fastest to swim the maximum length of every lake in England's Lake District.
0: We announced in our last podcast that we have set up a Patreon account. We're so grateful for any support that you guys have in any form, but we would also be really appreciative if you have any capacity to help support the podcast. The price of a monthly cup of coffee would be huge for us. And if you are able, you can head to patreon.com forward slash into the we hours podcast.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation with Danny. Cue the music with Kristen. Welcome to episode 15 of the Into the We Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am here in the basement with my co-host, Kristen Vorton.
0: It's not a basement, (laughs) it's just a downstairs room.
1: (laughs) In our last episode with Rob Saunders, he referred to it as the basement, so I think that's going to stick. It probably will, unfortunately. (laughs) We are also joined today via Zoom um, by Danny Longman. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much.
1: We're so excited to talk to you today, Danny. So for a little bit of context, um, I don't know Danny super well. Kristen has only just met Danny over Zoom. <laughs> um, and I actually bumped into Danny on the side of a mountain in New Zealand a few years ago. I couldn't remember exactly which year it was, was it? what oh, do you know, Danny?
2: Yeah, I think it was 2018. So just three, three years or so ago.
1: Yeah, that feels like a lifetime ago. though. That's crazy. It
2: does. A lot's happened here.
1: But yeah, we were on Kepler track in South Island. And um, I was just descending after a day hike and you were heading off to do the Great Walk, I believe.
2: That's right. Yeah, I think we were just on day one yeah. on our first climb, and uh, yeah, bumped into bumped into a Scott straight away. <laughs> Made me feel at home.
1: <laughs> How fortunate! <laughs> so yeah, we had a little chat on the mountainside, and I think it was via Instagram we kind of connected. After realized that we mm-hmm. have a mutual friend in common, um, Alex Gregory, who is a GB Olympic gold medalist rower. Um, and yeah, from there, we've just kind of kept in touch, which has been great. And you have been on so many adventures, half of which I probably know nothing about. So we're really looking forward to talking to you today.
2: Cool. thanks very much for the invite. It looks like such a great podcast series. You're, you're up to you at the moment, so awesome to be involved.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, when Sarah was kind of introducing, you know, I've got this guy who's done like all this really cool stuff most recently, <laughs> which we'll probably get into the um the lakes swim challenge um but also like all these other things and you just mentioned can you paint the picture of where you actually are because i think it probably paints a picture of who (laughs) you are in terms of your diversity as an adventurer you told us off air but yeah describe kind of the location that you're in at the moment
2: sure so i'm currently working from a converted barn um just across the french border from geneva and so we're just across the valley from lake geneva um on the opposite side, on a clear day, you have views of the Alps with Mont Blanc uh, sitting front and centre. And just behind us, we have the Jura Mountains, uh, which is slightly smaller, um, but have loads of cross country skiing, mountain biking, trail running. Um, yeah, not a bad place to be working from.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Although we live in a great place as well, I know, but that's cool. All right. So what we tend to do to kick off is a a quick fire round. Now I say quick fire Mm -hmm. because initially I wanted it to be like short and snappy. Kristen likes like the extended story. So you have free reign to reply however you like with these ones. All right. (laughs) So Kristen's going to kick off with her
0: least favorite question. Uh, So there's this whole running thing of the podcast, Denny, and I am losing miserably. And I'm pretty sure I know your answer just being from where you're from pineapple on pizza hell's yes or hell's no
2: oh that's gotta be a yes it's the height of culture the height of cuisine yeah absolutely
0: yeah (laughs) so apparently there's a few people out on instagram when when sarah did a bit of a poll and i'm gonna find those people but so far none have been on the podcast and actually we got rid of the question for quite a little bit because I was just losing so miserably, yet unsolicited, the people that we didn't ask was like, oh, by the way, you didn't ask me, but hells yeah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't ask. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) yep. Welcome
1: to Team Sarah. I love it. (laughs) All right, second question. Now, you take part in a whole load of activities. I know your Insta bio says it's like adventure, adventure ultra endurance and you have row swim bike emojis um sustainable eating anthropology and you're a Helly hansen ambassador but if you could only do one sport for the rest of your life what would you pick? oh
2: don't ask oh gosh denny that's just cringed really, in his
0: seat <laughs> that's horrible
2: that's horrible yeah i think it's the package of them that makes everything so exciting um i'd have to go with cycle touring i yeah. think that's Ooh. that's the one i'd want there's just so so varied you can explore so much more of the world than you can with your face buried in a lake and it's much more sociable than having your face buried in a lake uh so yeah I think cycle touring will be the one
0: nice choice where in the world would you go cycle touring right now I'm going to extend on this quickfire
2: question (laughs) oh gosh so I've had my eye on a few areas I'd love to go back to South America there's a whole bunch that didn't go to last time but there's an amazing highway through the um kind of through Eastern Europe across the Middle East to Asia called the Pamir Highway that I'd love to go part of the silk route. Yes, yeah, so I think the silk route with the premier highway would be would be number 1.
0: Yeah, incredible. I would love to do that as well. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, so Sarah also prefaced how amazing this Danny guy is by saying how many, you know, world records he has. Danny, how many world records do you have?
2: <laughs> okay, so you've got to take this with a pinch of salt, but officially it's 7, but but uh i would say two are worth mentioning the other five uh padding we um <laughs> we had a uh a captain on a, on the arctic row who was very into um world records and getting as many as possible uh so a lot of them i would say are extremely token um so i think honestly i can say two but officially yeah seven.
0: And again, to extend, <laughs> what are the two that you like, definitely, it seems like you have a bit more pride potentially behind those yeah, two. Yeah, so
2: I think these two are relatively legit. One of them is um, the first rowing crossing of the Greenland Sea, uh, which is the northern portion of the kind of a portion of the Arctic Ocean um, between Svalbard and, and North America. Um, and then the other one was the highest latitude reached by an ocean rowboat. So we headed up to the the permanent ice shelf at 80 degrees north. And uh, yeah, we've through the ice for a while um, until we got thoroughly blocked and lost, and all of the ice behind us had obviously shifted and it was a nightmare to get out. And yeah, so I think that one, just for the, the memories and the fun of it, um, was cool. Um, so yeah, I think those two are relatively okay, but there's other ones. That we've got one for being uh, the largest team to row across the Greenland Sea. Um, and we were the first team to row across the Greenland Sea. So we might as well have had the smallest team as well, or the middleest team. Um, so yeah, there's a few, a few ridiculous ones in there.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say something like longest toenails ever to get
2: north. (laughs) I mean, probably that, that too. Why not? That could have been late, (laughs) right?
0: Yeah. Wow. Absolutely incredible.
1: Okay. So next one, you're out on an adventure or just living life each day. You come across a genie the genie grants you three wishes Danny what would your three wishes be
2: gosh okay um I've often thought that clearly one life isn't enough you know there's way there's way too much to do everything you choose to do comes at the expense of 10 other things that you can't do uh because because you've chosen that like everything's a trade-off so I feel like yeah to be able to hit rewind and start again and do do different adventures every time I think that would be more, more time would be the first wish amazing
0: such a and as wish. the other two
2: uh <laughs> probably more time to think of what to do with the other two wishes I can't think right now <laughs>
1: well I should say so Kristen and I have just spent the weekend hiking together and okay. as we were hiking we were asking each other these questions and over two days of hiking we were still like oh I I don't know. Whereas yeah, we've just been amazed with people. I mean, that was such a beautiful answer you just gave off the top of your head. We, with all the time in the world, knowing we ask this question, we're like, yeah, I'm just still not sure. <laughs> so, so, what
2: did what did you come up with for that one?
1: Oh
0: gosh, I think we piggybacked off of Rob. Had some really good ones. Uh, he wanted to shapeshift so that he could. Um, just basically fit in anywhere or be invisible um, to uh, have everything that he was carrying or it, essentially at least just water be totally weightless mm-hmm. and to have unlimited endurance. And we're both sitting here like, have you thought about this? Because that was so fluid that he came up with it. Again, it took us, we probably were on the trails for like nine hours total or something. <laughs> By the last 15 minutes, we might've come
1: or to a conclusion. Good
2: health. It was a simple, yeah, yeah, important yeah, that one forever.
1: Yeah, was a good one. <laughs> but i didn't there rob's dehydrated water i just thought oh that would just be so freaking
2: cool <laughs> that is great no that is super i think yeah developing his one of uh, and, and yours of health i think yeah no no injuries mm. i think would be a big one just the ability to like plan something and to go big without that nagging worry of you know something might happen especially if you're in the middle of nowhere and human powered but yeah
0: a third mm. one. Can you think I, of a I will a third have a one? thing. Yeah. You can come back to it. i probably if randomly
2: know. shout something at totally, you. Totally. That's fine. <laughs> fine.
0: That's cool. <laughs> um, all right. So on one of our podcasts, we had a sports psychologist come on. Um, we talked about the importance of gratitude, but gratitude can be pretty external sometimes. Mm. And um, it is a, it's definitely a really important thing to practice, but sometimes self-compassion gets left behind. So we always like to bring it up to our podcast guests. If you were to give yourself a compliment, what would it be?
2: oh gosh now you see as a as a Brit that's really hard to do we have a culture as Sarah's nodding uh, right now yeah of like, like uh, that's a
1: very good point yeah
2: yeah like self-abasement put, putting yourself down the whole time it's very very different from uh, the kind of what you'd see on Instagram with all these inspirational memes we don't we don't do that kind of thing so I'm American um,
0: and you have to like okay. hold yourself pretty high right
2: <laughs> you do you do um, Not that I'm very good oh, compliment that. gosh um Maybe not being able to come up with one quickly.
0: No, that's not it. <laughs> I, would say,
2: I would say that's, yeah. And <laughs> hopefully no. not being too far up myself.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I, I would ask you to dig a little bit deeper because I know, okay, like... You're going to push
2: me on this one, aren't you? Yeah,
0: yeah I, I am. Yeah. It's
2: um, for the growth
0: and development of everybody.
2: <laughs> okay, then in, in that case, I might say imagination i think looking at one of the things that i've really loved doing over the last probably 10 years or so now maybe even longer is looking at maps and just imagining journeys Uh, You know, seeing how you might get from one place to another by bike on foot by rowboat, by late more lately by swimming um i think just being able to think things up sometimes because Yeah, quite possibly. I think we are, we're limited by imagination most of the time, right? It's like, we can do stuff and we say that it's time. We say that it's money. And yeah, for a lot of people that probably might be the case, but there's a good number of us who is just making something happen and having that imagination to think, okay, well, I can't afford this now, but how could I afford it? How could I make the time? And then what could I do with that time? I think, yeah, probably over the last few years, I've been reasonably okay at that.
1: That was okay until the last bit where you said I'd be reasonably okay. <laughs> oh, <you> can, <laughs> but it was you beautiful. Can cut that out if you want to. No, of course not. I'm just joking. I'm just joking <laughs> with you. That was a really beautiful one. That is and so I wonderful. Really appreciate you going there as well because you're quite right. As a Brit, it is that thing of it's so much easier to like put ourselves down and, and yeah, not speak confidently about ourselves. But you're an incredible human and I love the imagination oh. one. It's just that's perfect. So thank you.
0: Well done. You made it through the quick questions. (laughs) It's always the hardest (laughs) one at the end. (laughs) So Sarah might've introduced it a little bit with, um, the outline and stuff. Um, I, I love, I think people are so like, we had a conversation again, just over the weekend. People are so interesting of how they've gotten to where they are. So I really enjoy this first question of opening the floor up to you and, and just asking about your origin story. So it's, I always say as much or as little as you'd like to put into yeah. it.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So yeah, I grew up in just north of Liverpool. So was football mad as a kid. I uh, played on various teams. Um, my dad was really into football. My sister was too. My mum couldn't care less, um, but that was what everyone was doing. So I was involved with football. Then um, then track and field was a hundred and 200 meter runner through our high school and and university as an undergrad. Um and yeah, I always had a background in kind of conventional sports, so to speak. Uh, you know, the kind of sports you might see, World Cups, Olympics, that kind of thing. Um, and then at university, I added canoeing to so that as part of the GB setup up in Nottingham. And I uh, got involved with rowing uh, before my PhD. And then uh, during that time, I was mad into rowing. We were training probably 30, 35 hours a week, 13 sessions with the, the boat race squad uh, for the annual oxford okay. race and um so yeah so that was that was awesome i love that i love the the kind of thrill of competition of like working your ass off in training because you knew on race day it was it was all going to pay off and i love that it was super competitive got real kick out of that kind of thing um but then during my phd i was planning a bit of an adventure as a reward for kind of finishing something to look forward to and that was going to be a kind of long distance cycle tour um through latin america and it, on that trip, I kind of just fell in love with the freedom that you get with not having to be constrained to a regatta lake or a running track or a football pitch. And I still got the, the kick of working hard um, from that. Um, but just being able to do so in a natural environment where you're exploring the world was like immeasurably better. Uh, to the point where I would never be able to go back to the conventional side of things I think now it's just too constraining um and yeah, it's I think it's the freedom that's what that's what I've loved about it
1: yeah amazing and that's quite a change as well from a team sport dynamic to something potentially quite similar as well
2: yeah I think in some ways absolutely I like guess a, a cycle tour for example you know when you're self-supported going for months on end that's that's very individual or a very small team if, if you're with someone um but then other things like um like ocean row the ocean rows that i've done that's been that's been a very strong team unit and the the swim more recently even if even if it was just me in the water that was only possible because of the wider team so i think i still get the benefits of teamwork um but it's on a very different level yeah
1: yeah cool And then, so in terms of where you are in life now, tell us about what you're doing.
2: Sure, yeah. So I'm now two years into my first kind of tenure track academic gig um, at Loughborough University in the UK, uh, which is um, quite a good school within the UK, but no one outside has ever heard of it, probably because of its ridiculous spelling and even worst pronunciation it's got two different o-u-g-h parts to the word each pronounced completely independently and differently I uh, never just, thought just about this people.
0: yeah and of people course. wonder why yeah. the English language is terrible <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly we should definitely have a have North American simplification of I it mean, I think that would that would definitely help um but yeah so I'm a couple of years into that now uh which is great I'm absolutely loving the research that I'm doing there but at the same time uh I'm really hoping as COVID's kind of hopefully fades away the world will open up and adventures can kick off again uh, so i was really lucky last year being able to to do something within the uk but um otherwise yeah i think stage of life where i'm kind of coming into like mid early 30s now so i'm feel- still feeling good still feeling and fit um but Maybe aware that that might not last forever, so <laughs> probably, if anything, it's going to ramp up over the next few years.
0: Take advantage of it while you've got it, as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm sure COVID has affected you as well. But just a little quick thing, like how has it affected everything that you've been doing in terms of your life versus adventuring as well? Has it been quite a big impact? Are you guys kind of getting back to normal?
2: Yeah. So um yeah, things are starting to get back to normal here now. Um, although there's debate over whether that should be the case or not. I mean, numbers are still pretty high and obviously down your part of the world, the restrictions are still fairly strong uh, as they probably should be here. Um, But we'll get too political. Yeah, yeah, Um, (laughs) that's a whole different conversation, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, during COVID, obviously um, the first lockdown in the UK was, was quite severe. You could go out once or twice a day to get food or to go for a short walk or something. But I think... I was very lucky in that quite a few of my friends have been in a similar situation that kind of, you know, the, the way the personal lives worked out at that point, it really, it really was beneficial. Um, so for example, in my case, I'd just met someone um, whilst adventuring actually in Arctic Norway. And um, we bumped into each other on that trip and then happened to be visiting when the lockdown hit. Um, and we'd only kind of known each other for a couple of months, but then suddenly you're forced to spend five months living together. Uh, which was absolutely not planned and could have been horrendous um given the lack of escape opportunities <laughs> on either end.
0: Great test of a early relationship. Exactly, hey? yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then things worked out really well and and now we're we're living together on our through our own on our own terms. Um not not forced. Uh which is which is always a good thing I feel. Um to feel as though you can <laughs> you know you don't have to be there. Um so, yeah, so I think personally that worked out really well. And thankfully, I've known quite a few friends who've had similar situations. But, um, yeah, from an adventure point of view, obviously, it, it's um, very limited. I had a couple of events, had nine, man cancelled, for example, a few other things didn't didn't happen. But then it just um, kind of made me think a bit more internally, like what can, what's possible to do in the UK? Because mm. obviously, Sarah, I mean, you've, you've left the UK um, like a few miles behind you. And, um, there's lots of other great stuff in the world to explore, but UK is actually, is actually amazing. Um, there's loads of cool stuff, especially as you head further North. And so it really made me think UK basically, what can, what fun can we have here? And that led to the whole kind of swim idea. So yeah, it was definitely, um, not ideal, but worked out. I was quite lucky, I think.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And I would love to come onto the swim very shortly. I just have a quick question because you mentioned you're at Loughborough University and, i guess for context i would correct me if i'm wrong but i would say it's known for being like high performance sport focused university so what is it that you're actually working on there
2: sure so i'm an evolutionary biologist so i study uh, human evolution um, and through the lens of using ultra endurance sport to test evolutionary theory Um, so this was a whole research trajectory and program that came out of my own experiences Uh, trying to row across the Atlantic Ocean as a master's student back when I was 21, I think. Um, I said try to row the Atlantic, it didn't quite work out. But um, yeah, what I discovered on this trip was we have this amazing ability to adapt kind of on the fly. Um, Like the first three or four days absolutely sucked. I couldn't sleep, I was seasick, I couldn't eat, I was getting weaker and weaker. But then something happened after three or four days where I didn't rest. We still have the two hours on, two hours off pattern. Um, but I started to recover. I could eat, I could sleep, I got stronger. And I came back to Cambridge, went straight to my professor. and was like, hey, you know, we've got some awesome adaptive mechanisms here. This is super cool. We need, to, we need to study this. And he bought into it straight away. He was really excited. And yeah, that led to this research program of using ultra endurance sports like an ocean row. We've worked with ocean rowers. We've worked with ultra endurance athletes around the world. And trying to work out how the body adapts to that energetic strain that you're putting on your body. And from that, uh, we can infer all sorts of mechanisms about how we've evolved as a species. So that's that's the research that I'm doing. So the reason for being at Loughborough to actually answer your question um, is because, yeah, they're the number one sports university in the world. And they've got amazing facilities for looking primarily at sports performance. Um, So I kind of piggyback on that and use their expertise and equipment to answer questions related to evolution
1: so fantastic we could do like (laughs) kristen's like mind blown (laughs) we could do a whole series of podcasts on this in itself it's just really fascinating and in like a completely tiny view of this i've just ridden in outback queensland and we were talking about how i was surprised myself how quickly i went from thinking i needed to drink x amount of water to actually being fine with minimal supplies come the end of the trip Mm. and just realizing in such a short space of time how you can adapt and that's a tiny example but yeah it's just reminded me of that conversation yeah Yeah,
0: already we're gonna have to get Danny back on the podcast (laughs) that that's like so much cool stuff in there my mind is yeah like running so many miles a minute at the moment thinking about all this cool stuff that you could be doing
1: and this has been the challenge when we are talking to incredible yes. individuals like you Is like where do we focus <laughs> so before we started recording we did discuss we would probably look at your most recent challenge which you've mentioned and i love the fact that that sounds like it's potentially come out of this covid situation looking at exploring your backyard because that has been such a common theme for many of us mm-hmm. likewise i wouldn't have necessarily chosen to ride in outback queensland but our state borders are closed so that was where that came from as well so yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit about this lake swim challenge that you've taken on?
2: Yeah, sure. So this was a fun one, actually. It was um, so the Lake District is an area of the northwest of England where we have our we we call them mountains. Um, they're probably maximum about a thousand, just under a thousand meters. I think is our highest Aww. one. So maybe not the biggest in Cute. the world, but, they're, be- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but they're, they're beautiful. They've got they're really pretty. And I think the relief, actually, that the, the how steep they rise up from the lakes makes them feel bigger in a lot of places. And there's lots of lakes, as the name would suggest, um, a whole bunch of lakes. And there's actually 13 big lakes that are publicly accessible. Uh, a few of them are reservoirs, so you're not allowed in. But, um, yeah, there's 13 lakes. And two years or so ago, um, a friend of mine, actually, it was he was one of my runners in an ultra marathon that I was testing in the Jordan Desert in the Wadi Rum. I was out there collecting some data for my job. Um, we were sat by the campfire one night and and Tom, uh, one of the runners, said oh, said, oh, by the way, you know, I'm not actually a runner. I was like, well, I've just seen you run 250K. He definitely said, no, no, I just I do this for cross training. I'm a swimmer. Um, <laughs> and he said that he's he's planning this challenge for the summer. He wants to swim the length of all of these lakes and, and set an FKT, a, a fastest known time for this. And would I like to join him as a swimmer? And at that point, I'd just done my first ever two kilometer open water swim. So obviously feeling very qualified to take on this seventy <laughs> k, immediately said yes. Um, and then a week or so after, asked him, I "Was like how, how, how far is this?" Um, and it was quite yeah, quite a bit further than I was expecting. But we um, yeah, so I did that with Tom uh, two years or so ago. And then with COVID, with all of the restrictions, thinking about things to do, is that like, well, I feel like we could go quite a bit faster on this. And that was motivated also by the fact that an actual swimmer, <laughs> an actual good, very good swimmer last year had broken our time and set a new record. Um, so I was a little bit, a little bit miffed by that. Uh, the competitive juices were kicking in. Um, so thinking of things to do during COVID, someone had just broken a record I had. I thought, yeah, that sounds, that sounds perfect. Let's get a bunch of mates together to come up, drive me between the lakes, uh, paddle kayaks next to me, and it could be a nice, a nice semi-social thing to do. Um during COVID as well, kind of in an outdoor, kind of socially distanced way. In
1: a very type yeah. two fun way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, possibly type three or four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same
0: jokes.
1: Okay. So um first of all, when did you end up doing this?
2: So this was in August just gone, so August twenty twenty one.
1: So that's summer time So what kind of temperatures are we yeah. talking about?
2: Yeah, so the air temperature was probably um so it's the height of English summer, so about 18 degrees
0: 19
2: degrees yeah but um, I had to only wear my uh, summer jumper that day um but the water was a bit chilly it f- kind of felt okay initially the water was probably about 15 16 degrees um but then as so it felt fine for the first couple of lakes but then as you know when you get tired things feel colder um so by the end I was shivering non-stop even though it was I had a few friends I had a fr- uh, one friend uh particular jump in and swim a couple of lakes with me at the end And um, I think he thought I was incredibly soft. Yeah, I was shivering uh, before I got in. I was shivering when I got out. And to him, obviously not a problem, completely fresh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this is obviously a huge challenge. In terms of like the planning and the preparation that went on for this, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I got a little bit obsessive. Actually, I had a a spreadsheet um, where I was trying to work out because the, the clock starts when you get in the first lake and finishes. So I, mean, I should say there's 13, 13 lakes um, totaling 71K, uh, including Windermere, which is our longest lake at about 17 or 18 kilometers. Yeah, wow. um, so the record was three, just under three days uh, to do all of this. And the clock's running the whole time. So the travel time is is important. Uh, so I was trying, looking at maps uh, on Google Maps, like working out, what, where the, what's the quickest route to go so that was a big thing trying to work out the quickest route in terms of minimizing the travel time but then also taking into account things like well if you are going around the clock which was my plan like what do you want to be doing at night time you know is it easier just to have a long lake at night time or are you better off kind of getting in and out of many lakes and finding that difficult because quite often you're hopping fences and climbing over things to, to get into a lake um so working that out was took a long time and then having a spreadsheet with all of you, know, the minutes I expect each lake to take, and all this like sitting here perfectly warm and comfortable at home, like thinking, oh yeah, how long should it take me to swim this 9k lake? Oh, it should take this long, you know, with no idea like how I'm going to be feeling, if I'm going to be sick or injured or whatever. So so yeah, there was a lot of preparation in terms of the logistics, and then in terms of like calling friends to get them to, to come up and saying, hey, you know, you're not going to, we can't pay you at all for this, obviously, you're going to have to get yourself up here, you're going to, not sleep for a couple of days sounds like a lot of fun uh you're gonna come and yeah everyone said yes straight away which was great i think people it, that worked out well with covid i think i think people were just up for anything at that point uh so i had a really great team of friends and family my mom and dad were there too uh driving between lakes um and then obviously i kind of at times would forget that i have to do some swimming to prepare for this um because he's so obsessed with the spreadsheet it's like oh gosh yeah actually it's quite a long way isn't it so we did um thankfully i had lots of nice lakes nearby i was swimming in various rivers and lakes near loughborough swimming out at lake annecy while i was working out here um which was absolutely gorgeous and on Lac of man just by geneva um so yeah it was really really good fun actually it was just nice to kind of have an excuse to get out and spend a few hours in the lake
0: totally there's so much to unpack okay. just from that little thing that you just did um So yeah, I guess talk about the physical prep a little bit, but part of Mm -hmm. it as well, I'd like to know about the mental preparation outside of the spreadsheet, (laughs) because you documented it really well, um, just over, I think it was about five posts on Instagram, you know, Mm -hmm. giving kind of the rough little breakdown of it. And a lot of those mornings as you were getting tired, it was like a 3.50 a.m. start or something that you threw out. The water was cold, you were already tired, so how did you physically and mentally, like really prep yourself for something so big
2: sure yeah so the preparation was um physically it was just getting the miles in in the water really i was just trying to make my stroke as robust as possible so that the point where things do start to break down whether it's your wrist as it happens to be with me i couldn't after about 20 hours i couldn't use my wrist properly so we had to gaffer tape uh, duct tape my wrist like kind of in a a rowing position looked like a boxer with all this taping around yeah, I my saw
0: that. I'm like, what is the duct tape for? It was literally to yeah. duct tape your hand into a position?
2: It was, yeah. So um, so it ended up taking us um, 41 hours to do the swim. We just went straight through um, from, we started at 5 a.m. and then finished at 10 p.m. the next day. Wow. Um, and but at one point we were really far ahead of schedule in the evening at nighttime and I had an hour's sleep in a car. And I woke up and I couldn't bend my wrists. They were on fire. I couldn't even wiggle a finger. Um, and uh, Tomo, my friend who was driving me at the time, uh, he later told me that he was really worried at that point. But he didn't let on all. he just got his, uh, got his tape out. He was like, hold your wrist. On. He, just, he taped it uh, until like, you couldn't move it. And he's like, "Now it doesn't matter. You can't move your finger. It's in the right place. Um, all is good. So, so yeah, the physical prep was all to try to, I guess, just get as many miles in as I could to push back. that because I knew I was going to break down at mm-hmm. some point we just had to push that point as far back as possible so that it was still feasible to get to the end yeah um so that was yeah from a physical point of view and then from a mental point of view um i guess i kind of just drew on a lot of previous experiences like the like the arctic you mentioned alex before he was he was on that expedition like that was that that was hard there were a lot of um kind of dark moments on that one where you happen to push yourself at silly times of day to do things you don't really want to do at that moment in retrospect you definitely did um and the previous swim challenge and various other ocean rows and cycle events. I think uh, once you've done a few things, it kind of gives you that fallback of experiences. When you're, if you're struggling, you can just look back on, hey, you know, I did this, therefore it's all good. But to be honest, during the swim itself, there wasn't too much of that. There was, um like you alluded to there, Kristen, the, uh, that one that lake at three in the morning, that was just after I'd had that hour's sleep um, and my wrists were on fire and I got into Allswater Lake, it was an 11K lake uh which uh, at that point was i was going incredibly slowly it took like four hours it was through the night and into sunrise and there were a few that was probably the hardest point i couldn't i was feeling sick i was kind of having to swallow like you know, when you feel like you're about to be sick and you kind of swallow it down i was doing that while swimming and it was pitch black and freezing cold and uh, i was supposed to have a wee snack every 30 minutes but i couldn't i couldn't really eat that so i was just super low on energy um but then the sun comes up and then something magical happens and you start to feel better and you get to the end and you've got eccles cakes waiting for you and you might need yeah, to explain what an eccles cake is danny all right yeah so uh <laughs> in the north of england there's this awesome tradition of all these little villages have their own local cakes and um, there's a tiny village called eccles in the yorkshire dales that make their make their own cakes it's kind of like um like a pastry filled with raisins uh, kind of like a mix and it's amazing if ever you see them in a in a UK store out in Australia definitely definitely check it out is
0: there anything to draw on for experiences for those not oh it's a comparison No,
1: it's it's a unique thing it's an apple's cake yeah
0: (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) check it out
1: (laughs) sorry to interrupt but I just had to I was like we need some clarification on the on the the pastry or however you want to call it
2: (laughs) some cultural exchange yeah exactly
1: (laughs) yeah so I mean It's interesting when you talk about the mental prep there in terms of obviously drawing on these incredible experiences and and hard adventures that you've been on, but also it sounds like while you were swimming solo, your crew were incredibly important. So you had someone taping your wrist and just being like, yeah, you're going to be fine, even though they're worried about you. Um, (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about your crew? I mean, it sounds like everyone you asked was happy to join, which is awesome in itself, but how did you select the people? Like, how did you roll that out because obviously it was a pretty complicated mission between the swimming and the driving and the navigating in the water and all of those elements
2: but it was yeah so um basically just trying to think who would be a positive influence on the team and thankfully I've kind of surrounded myself over the years without necessarily thinking about it with loads of super excitable positive people um so yeah I just wanted people who would um have be able to use their initiative because during the challenge you know if things go wrong like i don't really want to hear about that to a point i've got enough on my plate with the swimming so i need people who are going to be proactive and solving things and anticipating problems before they become big problems um but also people who will be you know who will enjoy it i don't want people to come and not enjoy themselves so um yeah i had loads of mates from various points of my life that were more than happy to to come and give their time which was i was so grateful for but the team was such a huge part of it because the you know the swimming i'm probably swimming for about two thirds of the time during the challenge maybe not even that and the rest of the time you know the team are driving me between lakes they're cooking they're heating up food and even while i'm on the lake i've got a kayaker next to me um who's navigating who's keeping me safe from boats who's feeding me every half hour or so like a small child need a little nibble and something otherwise i'll get cranky um so yeah honestly the team made everything possible it wouldn't i'd been able to do one or two lakes without the team uh, but nowhere near the full challenge. So that was that, that I was so grateful for all of that.
0: I love that your mom and dad were there with you as well. Is that like a special part of the team yeah. that you held for them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so mom and dad have had to put up with all my rubbish, obviously, for a long time now in terms of uh, wanting to go on these kind of trips. And yeah, kind of... it is something I felt bad about, too, you know, going on ocean roads while your parents are looking at dots on the screen, mm-hmm. hoping it keeps moving in the right direction. Yeah. And that is something I actually have questioned to a point, like, is that incredibly selfish? Is it is it something you should do? Um, but then I've, ever, I've raised it with them, like, no, nah, dude, you, you you live your life. You, you do your thing and we'll, we'll deal with it our end. Nice. Um, so it was really nice to be able to share that with them because a lot of these things in the past have been, you know, often inaccessible parts of the world that you know, I can tell them about afterwards. I can show them photos, but it's not the same. So, yeah, to be able to have, um, they, they drove me through a bunch of the lakes during the daytime hours. And I, gave my, I gave my mates the... Horrible evening, overnight shifts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were there. They were there at the finish. They were there getting me ready for the last lake. Um, like, I had a really nice moment with my mum. Actually, so Derwent Water was the the last lake, uh, and it was just coming into the evening. The sun was setting behind Skiddaw, a beautiful, warm. Well, actually, not. i thinking warm. I was shivering. A beautiful sunny evening that should have been warm, and in my memory was warm, but definitely at the time was not. Um, but yeah, she walked me to the start of the lake, and we were just kind of chatting away. At the kilometre or so walk to the start, and then um, it was just like having a nice, normal walk on a summer's evening, except that I then got into the water and had to swim for five k. But apart from that, it was actually a really nice, um, a really nice moment. So yeah, it was just it was great to be able to share that with them.
0: I love that. Yeah, have your parents had a, a big impact on your adventure lifestyle?
2: Um, yeah, big time. I think um, mostly in terms of laying the foundations that allowed me to do that. So they've uh, always been encouraging of everything and um, had the baseline background of sports, I guess, which which has helped massively. Knowing how to use your body, how to push yourself, but also where your limits are has really helped. But um, well, they've just provided the kind of foundation that I've been able to think up all of these these weird things to do from. Um, and then during that, they've been super supportive and told me when I'm being silly, uh, if I've come up with an idea that's ridiculous, which is which is really important. But at the same time, yeah, just giving me the, the kind of background that's allowed me to go for it.
1: Gosh, given the things you've done, I'm curious what the silly things are that are too
0: ridiculous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I can't even remember. <laughs> I think they did a good job of squashing them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, good job, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Was your intention with this swim, with, from the start, was it always just go and keep going? Was that your plan?
2: Yeah, so I saw um, I saw that the record had been broken by this lad who, he's a British fella, George Taplin from Sheffield. Um, really fantastic swimmer. He trialed for the Rio Olympics, I think, and nearly, just, just about missed out. Um, but I looked at his time and he swam the lakes super fast, like way faster than I could do, but then seemed to spend a bit more time in between them. Um, and I thought, well, I'm not going to beat him on the lake, but maybe I can beat him in between the lakes. And I looked at the timings and I thought, well, yeah, I think that's doable, but it still wasn't super exciting to me. I was kind of umming and ahhing about it. I was unsure where, like, why that was. Like, why was I just not really excited about this? And then um, I was on a long drive one day that I thought to myself, I was "Like, well, what if I don't stop? What if we literally just go lake to lake? Uh, and then suddenly I was excited. <laughs> suddenly I was like, yes, this is absolutely what I want to do. This um, sounds
1: extra painful. This sounds great.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, let's set a time that someone's going to have to um, like really work to beat. But let's make it more of an adventure thing. like Less of a swimming event, but more of a general adventure event. And um, that was when I got really excited about it. So I think, to be honest, I needed that uh, to get me to buy in fully. Because I think for some, something like this, you have to be fully fully in otherwise it's not going to work so um so yeah I think that was just mind games for myself really that was how I made it sound fun
1: that's incredible and I'm curious actually in terms of that keeping going thing um if you think of like something like uh, these 200 mile trail runs that are happening and obviously sleep Mm -hmm. deprivation is such a big thing and people will stop for dirt naps on the side of the trail when you're swimming in cold water do you feel sleepy or does it just kind of keep you going (laughs)
2: I think it really helps you know I have seen um loads of these amazing documentaries on YouTube of people like for example Courtney DeWalter who yeah, you. You know, runs these huge events 200 miles plus and the way she has little naps on the side of the path and keeps going and I think as a swimmer you have that a bit easier because yeah as you just mentioned that water's cold like you can't really have that issue of falling asleep while you're going and if you do I guess you you'd go on great guns you're really pushing yourself I've, I, I didn't have that um but then it does sap your energy super quick because you know the energy you need to keep warm um is ridiculously high and and it really affects your stroke as well as your shoulders and your lats start to get cold you can't stretch quite so far and you get less efficient so probably pros and cons but in terms of the sleep deprivation i think it i think it helps
1: yeah that's interesting
0: I've um, also done 2K as an open swimmer, so I feel very capable of doing this as well and probably taking on your (laughs) FKT. (laughs) (laughs) How would one, like, I I have no idea how you eat and swim. Kind of the same thing. Again, we're coming from like a bike and run background that you're breathing normally and you have the use of your hands to keep moving. How do you eat while swimming?
2: Yeah, you kind of have to stop. Um, So... I worked out that kind of little and often was the way to go because I've got this ridiculously tiny stomach it seems that I get full really quick it empties really quick and then I need to it again half an hour later but I can't really handle too much stuff especially when you're swimming because when you're biking you're you're kind of hunched over forward it's like a nice position if you've eaten whereas swimming you're you're really stretched out your back might even be slightly arched so any amount of food in there you're gonna you're gonna feel it so Every half hour, I'd stop and just have a bite of a banana and a jelly baby or two. Do, do, do you have jelly babies in Australia or think does that need do. translating to you?
1: Yeah, oh my goodness, that's <laughs> criminal. No, I don't think we have jelly babies, jelly babies? Oh, you poor
2: people. Okay. Is it gummy bears? So, yeah. Well, no, they're yeah, so kind much of like,
1: better than gummy bears. Kind
2: of like gummy bears, but yeah, <laughs> the texture is
1: like way better in a jelly baby.
0: Righto, pineapple <laughs> <is>. on pizza. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So yeah, so I'd have uh, like a jelly baby or two, a bite of banana every half hour, and then and then go on swimming and try to swallow the rest of it while swimming. Invariably, doesn't work. You have to kind of (laughs) spit it out into the water because you can't swallow it. So you're trying to breathe at the same time, but yeah, little little sips seem to do the job.
0: And you with bananas, Sarah. I'm just thinking of you having to hold a banana in your mouth while you eat it as well. (laughs) Sarah's got a weird thing with bananas, which (laughs) I poke fun
1: at. I like the texture of jelly babies, but I hate the texture of banana. Like, it's just not my thing. (laughs) And then were you drinking water or how did that work?
2: Yeah, so we had um, kind of like warm, like sugary drinks kind of mixed Mm -hmm. up. It's like this endurance, like multidextrin thing that's like a really slow release energy, which was great but um often if i needed a sip we would just kind of open your mouth and take a gulp from the lake um yeah. and that would cool. that would work fine yeah <laughs> i
0: guess so yeah <laughs> why not
1: uh, yeah goodness me the whole thing i i, I really think that stop start element as well in terms of like you're swimming for a long time what was the longest so windermere you said it was like 17 yeah. or 18 k's how long did that take yeah
2: so that was about five hours 40 or so oh and that was the longest one there were three that were over four hours or th- over three hours at least and um yeah the stop start thing was tricky because you um like when you're tired and and cold the last thing you want to do is kind of get wet again and yeah. get in the water so that was you had to kind of psych yourself up a little bit each time especially during the night that was that was probably the hard one but otherwise i think the stop start actually really helped you know, i found that because you get out of a lake and then maybe you have a half hour drive the next one so you can eat something quite decent as soon as you get out um like once you've got into warm clothes then you can have something sweet and I found that I probably recovered quite quickly between the lakes so I think that helped me on this occasion but um it was a bit of a pain having to get back in <laughs> that, were you was, getting... that was the hard bit
1: yeah sorry to interrupt you were you getting in and out of a wetsuit each time as well then?
2: yeah so i had um luckily i had a bit of a sponsorship from a uh, hoob who are a kind of uk triathlon swimming company uh so i had a couple of wetsuits from them so yeah i was kind of going from one wetsuit to another cleaning them so you don't want to kind of, you know, affect one lake from the previous one if there's any algae or something um so yeah getting on putting on a wet wetsuit uh that's that's a kind of like a life-affirming experience putting <laughs> on that cold slightly slimy wetsuit that you have to really drag up your legs and up your back it's that's when you feel like, yeah, I've made I've made good decisions here.
1: <laughs> I can relate to that. I did some like wild camping and surfing trips in the to Hebrides and in the morning putting that, oh, that really, cold. <laughs> really cold, almost you had to like crack the wetsuit a little bit because it was so oh, cold no. and then pulling that on like, whew, that wakes you up as well though,
2: once you've got it on. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, you feel ready to go then. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I read a couple of articles um, talking about your wholesome experience as well that there was like a hour-long nap that you took and you woke up from the smell of the wetsuits
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was grim yeah that was that hour's nap that I mentioned before when my mm. wrist had seized up um yeah that was that was a error in retrospect yeah I had all had like three wetsuits bundled up in the back of my mate's car um, I was met with the passenger seat reclined and um I hadn't realized when I went to sleep but I woke up literally gagging like like holding back the sick it was so so bad it was worse than if anyone's listening to this who's ever ever done ocean rowing, like the smell of a cabin after about three weeks at sea it was worse than that it was absolutely disgusting um bizarrely my mate couldn't smell it he was he was absolutely fine i don't know what's if he just quickly adapted or there's something wrong with him but it honestly was the worst it was the worst smell i was just happy to jump into the lake and get some fresh water in my face after that one
1: the perfect crew member though,
2: if he couldn't smell it
0: I mean yeah I was was happy
2: for him actually I I don't don't want I don't want you to be able to smell it that's
0: right (laughs) I mean there was it seems like there was quite a lot of highs and quite a lot of lows and things too and you kind of mentioned the why of doing it was to get back after the record like that's kind of what invigorated you but there was a different reason that I saw out there as well you kind of dedicated this to a friend Stu do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: yeah that's right so i had a really good friend um when i was at university called Stu. we were at the same college doing different courses but we were on the same sports teams same friend groups etc and um yeah he was just an all-around great guy know, super sense of humor um it would get on well with everybody um one of those people that unfortunately i drifted away from slightly after university but someone who you could just pick up a phone to have a chat and it's as though it hasn't been a year or so since you last spoke so uh, absolutely counted him as a good friend and uh unfortunately he he died earlier in the year and um so he really wanted to try to do something uh in his memory and i spoke to his mum and he'd been working at a food bank um for the last last year or two uh up in leeds where he just moved to and um yeah so we had the idea to um to raise money for the food bank obviously um there's a lot of difficulties in the UK at the moment with regards to uh, social inequality, which has um, really developed over the last few years. And food banks have grown like, have sprung up all over the place and they, they need a lot of support. So we thought that would be a really nice thing to do. So, so yeah, his mum was, was really supportive of that. She got, she got behind it and um, yeah, we just wanted to raise some money to try to continue a little bit of the work that he'd been doing before, before he passed.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure that was pretty tough as well. Well, we would I would like to get, you know, where we can we still donate, for example, can we put it in the like show notes Um, or anything?
2: Yeah, of course. That's that's really kind. Yeah, there's there's a link uh, that I can share with you.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'd like to do that for you guys.
2: Thank
1: you. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Mm -hmm. And can I ask, like, did that add to the emotion of the achievement when you finished? Was that on your mind?
2: yeah to be honest it was it was more in my mind when um on that overnight swim when it was going when it was going quite hard um you're thinking when you're on an adventure like this and you start to have your your low moments as i'm sure you found with your cycling and with various other things that it's then that you really need to you can you can you can feel sorry for yourself to a degree and you need something sometimes to give you a bit of a kick up the ass to keep going and it was really that thinking thinking about Stu then and thinking how lucky I am, A, to, to, to be here, uh, to still be here, but also to be able to do things like this. We only do things like this because we really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it gets hard at times, but that's, that's part of it. That's part of what we love. And having, I guess, being thinking about Stu at that point, thinking how lucky we are to still have these decisions to be able to do something like this um, really did give me that, that kick of the ass to stop stop whinging to myself and uh, and keep going
0: I think we all need to kick up the ass sometimes so, <laughs> <think> so.
1: Yes, <laughs> for sure <laughs> so um are there any moments that really stand out like if you had to pick a high and pick a low moment where would you go
2: um so I think, as a low moment, it would definitely be waking up from that nap, thinking I'm going to choking on wet wetsuit stench, and my wrist not working. That was that was pretty grim. If there was anything um, lower
0: than that moment, I would have been very surprised <laughs> for you to have finished. Yeah, you wouldn't want me to tell you about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want to revisit it. But um, yeah, highs like this—the start was so much fun. Just like you know, five a.m., stood at the side of Wasp water, perfectly calm. I uh, just like diving in and starting splashing around in what I call a swim stroke. Uh, that was, that was fun. And then um, there were a few really fun little moments along the way that probably way too many for me to even try to remember, but getting into the last lake, I think, you know, having just been walked along the side with my mum, the sun was just starting to set behind Skidor and um, two really great friends and my, my partner was on the water in kayaks uh, waiting for me to get going. Beautiful, clear, the sky was all sorts of colors and, you can actually see it. it's a five kilometer lake but you can actually see the end there's a there's a wee light by the campsite there so you could see exactly where we were going and at that point we kind of knew it was in the bag it was it was fine this was it was going to happen um so i think that was a really nice moment i just felt so peaceful swimming that lake you know there was everything like things were hurting i was feeling a bit sick all of these things but when you know that it's not getting any worse um in fact it's just gonna it's gonna get better very soon uh, that was such a nice moment
1: just incredible yeah that's beautiful you painted that really nicely i could picture it for sure
0: just a very quick question is it crawl or is it freestyle
2: ah so crawl is what you do within freestyle so i learned this i learned this recently So freestyle means you you are free to choose your style you can do whatever you want to do you could do breaststroke you could do butterfly you do backstroke but most people do the crawl because it's fastest um, okay. So, yeah. So, I only learned that a month or two ago. I bought myself a book to actually learn how to swim. Um, <laughs> Danny's <laughs> called holding called swim up a smooth. swim
1: smooth book. I actually, I even yeah. used their website when I was doing <laughs> lots of me swimming. It. It's a very good yeah. resource.
2: <laughs> no, it's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So, I'd um, never really had any coaching in my, I, I was just kind of relying on, I don't know, fitness and bloody mindedness to get through uh, with the really, uh, what did it? One of my mates who could actually swim described my technique as agricultural, he said. <laughs> it's like you're angry with the water. He said, you're punching the water with every stroke. It's like you hate it. I'm like, no, no, I, I enjoy it. I just don't know how to do it properly. Well, um, so I, yeah, I'm hoping I, yeah. it will teach me to swim smooth.
0: <laughs> I would say that book was definitely then written by somebody from the UK. Because so, this yeah. is...
1: I have been absolutely ridiculed here, okay, by Americans, one of them sitting beside me, and by Australians, because whenever I say front crawl, they just think that is hilarious. The stroke is called freestyle. But you have given us a context for the fact, and I actually did know this. Now you've reminded me that, yeah, in a freestyle race, you can swim whatever you want to swim. It's just front crawl is typically the fastest.
0: Right. Nobody would swim butterfly as their fastest one, I don't think.
1: Thank you, Danny. You've just really made my day <laughs>
2: Perfect. that combined with the pineapples were, we're doing well <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed
0: yeah
1: <laughs> so I mean this was obviously it took a a massive physical toll in the moment you're having to and strap your wrist into position and you mentioned your lats and everything else that are hurting what was your recovery like after this
2: yeah, to be honest, it was all right. So we went to um, we got out, kind of stripped out of the wetsuit, got dry. Um, immediately went to a greasy all-night pizza place. Perfect. Um, with with the support team, which was super. We sat there, I think I had like three or four hoodies on, my tracksuit bottoms to try and warm up. Somehow forgot shoes, uh, so I sat there in my socks walking across town. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Then drove home, and you know, the next day we had a bit of a chill day. The next day, but then we went on a hike up. Um, Went up at uh, Old Man of Coniston. We did some oh, rented mountain bikes in Grisdale Forest. Stayed um, in the camper van, out by uh, just on the, on the banks of Coniston as well. So, yeah, I think within um, waking up the next day, I was a bit sleepy um, and I had a shower. I was like washing my hair. I was like, Ooh, yeah, I feel my lats. They were stretching a little bit. Um, but otherwise it was it was OK. It was just kind of catching up on a bit of sleep, uh, but nothing, nothing too bad
1: amazing
0: i think that's one of the benefits of swimming hay is that it's not very grueling on your body like if you go for a bit of a run or a hike obviously sarah and i (laughs) feeling our hips after that hike that we did. but even after a run and things like you need quite a lot of recovery but people who come from a run background oftentimes they're told to bike or swim because it's so much less strain on the body yeah, but,
2: yeah well, absolutely, I, mean, I think it's,
1: it's yeah. low impact, but I think my neck would die if I was swimming and rotating like that the whole time. I know you trained, but yeah, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, you probably get like, like a few is,
2: overuse yeah. things, but yeah, your yeah. body is completely supported, isn't it? You don't have that impact, and uh, maybe I should have just tried a bit harder, so I'm a bit faster, <laughs> and I'd have been a bit more achy but... Well, again another one, one the of the time, uh, uk
0: little things <laughs> that you can stab at
2: yourself
1: <laughs> the the whole cold water thing i mean ice baths are used for recovery in in some instances so maybe mm-hmm. you were semi-icing yourself as you went as well yeah
2: yeah maybe <laughs> us being the experts in
1: physiology obviously <laughs> <I> know, Right.
0: <laughs> so going through some of the highs and lows and you know completing adventures like these I think you always take out a little bit of learnings either about yourself or you know you kind of mentioned a couple of things that you have taken away from the trip but any kind of big lessons that you've learned from a big adventure like this
2: yeah I think the importance of people Um, I think that you can go off and do things on your own and that's super like it's absolutely worth doing it's better doing that than not doing it but if you can do it with your favorite people that makes a huge difference and that was not only what made it possible but that's what I'll remember I think um I will remember some of the swimming for sure but what I'll remember is you know (laughs) Ben and Hugh telling me inappropriate jokes from the kayak to get me through the night um like Adelina waiting for me at the end my dad like with a a kettle of hot water to pour down the back of my wetsuit all of that kind of thing um that's yeah I think that's the big takeaway for me like seeing seeing your favorite people
1: yeah, that's fantastic. And especially because yes, while it is that solo mission, you're the only one swimming, just how you can actually bring that whole team support environment in and bring the fun to yeah. it as well for sure. I yeah.
2: Think
0: so yeah. Very cool. And for lessons for everybody else, would you give any words of wisdom for anybody who's looking to do something like this, you know, at this scale?
2: <laughs> so, so I know a lot of people, I know what you should say is like just, you know, be cautious, build up slow work out where your limits are but I reckon just go for it like you don't you don't have any idea what you can do uh and if you fail you're going to fail like spectacularly which is going to be fun in itself so I reckon yeah if you can if you can think something up if you can imagine it just go for it and yeah nine times out of ten it might not work out but but it might do and that wouldn't that be great
1: and then the flip side is the lessons that you get from the failure are also huge so you you can't go wrong
0: (laughs) that's such a good answer yeah Yeah. I really appreciate that
2: go for it (laughs) love it
1: is there anything else you want to share about this particular challenge
2: um gosh no i feel like to be honest i feel really self indulgent just talking about it so this much so i don't think i can i can go on with that one
1: okay well <laughs> we are so grateful like i appreciate that discomfort and we are so grateful that you are talking about it i'm gonna <laughs> we will wrap up soon because i am conscious of your time but i'm gonna switch tack completely mm-hmm. you mentioned you were thinking about getting a dog and we have here Kristen, who is a dog trainer and ops manager of a, a yeah. national canine academy here. We have three trail dogs between us. <laughs> is this true? Are you looking at getting a dog?
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, so we've, we have visited a rescue dog um, a few times over the last few weeks. Um, she was, um, come, came in from Bosnia, um, kind of unknown past, very likely um, not a great past. Uh, incredibly anxious, uh, been looked after by a lovely family. Uh, We've been to see her gradually warming to us, Um, but actually, unfortunately, the other day we we had to make the sad decision that it wouldn't work out at this point. Uh, I think we've just got too much, um, for the next couple of years, too much kind of adventure and travel that we're looking to do that we couldn't give her the stability that she needs. I think she needs someone who will just stay at home with her a lot of the time uh, to kind of make her feel comfortable in new surroundings and feel safe around people again so unfortunately we had to make the call that that wouldn't be in the best interests so yeah not for the time being but hopefully sometimes soon the idea of trail dog is amazing though i look forward to seeing more photos on instagram about that
0: <laughs> well one is 10 one's six and one's not even one <laughs> Indeed. still to celebrate her birthday all,
2: do they all keep up are they all able to couple of
0: distances you guys do yeah so bear's done 55k with me um he's my 10 year old who's in the room at the moment and then my six year old has just started to run both border collies but very very different and now that it's getting much more hot as we come into winter and you guys go into summer uh moose my younger one uh he definitely feels the heat so when i'm running with them now just for training runs i've got bear out in front of me And Moose is behind me that I'm, like, kind of dragging. But he still wants to get up every day. Like, he knows we're going for a run. I'm like, all right, mate. Like, we're doing strides now. you got to keep up. (laughs) But Ness, Sarah's dog, is super keen. But she can't run very much because she's not fully developed either. Yeah,
1: so the challenge (laughs) I have with Ness. So she's a a coolie, which is like a working dog breed. And she would love to go and do the 55Ks. But I'm very conscious of her development. So... probably doing like i'm training her on single track at the moment doing like an hour but there's a lot of like sniffing and shuffling in there as well but it's pretty cool i'm excited for the journey with her that's for sure
0: i think it's responsible that you've chosen to make that decision Mm -hmm. because i get the people on the other end that might not have time and that's when the dogs kind of Mm -hmm. definitely move around a little bit so you probably have made the right one one, but yeah yeah. and when you choose to i'm sure that you guys will be full into it and it's gonna be super fun so yeah Yeah, yeah we'll We'll make sure to follow that on Instagram and see when it pops up.
2: <laughs> Some Great names there, by the way, with Bear and Moose. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Very much appreciate that.
0: Bear actually came to us as Bear. He was two years old from another family. And he, and you look at him and he's just a black bear. Like, he's got these big stand-up ears. Yeah. We're like, there's no point in changing your name. Moose came to us. Uh-huh. We got him as a puppy. But his ears were humongous. So they look like antlers. So we're like, well, we've got a bear. We might as well just have a moose. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah.
1: All right, so we um round up the podcast with a deep and meaningful question, Danny. Um, the context to this is, I have coached a group of little girls, young girls mountain biking on our local trail network. The session is an hour long, and they cannot go through the hour without needing to go to the toilet. So they always right. ask if they can go for a wild wee, so essentially pop into the bushes. Can you tell us about your wildest we?
2: <laughs> so I was thinking about this one. You mentioned this in the pre-show notes. And there's a few, there's a few contenders. I bet, especially with the rubric. I think... Again, I love when, I love <laughs> yeah. when
0: guests are like, hmm, I've thought about it. There's a couple to choose from.
2: <laughs> there are, there really are. Um, I think it was, so there's one, the sun was rising. Uh, just over the volcanoes of West, the Western Highlands in Guatemala, uh, just by Lake Atitlan. We climbed up a volcano to get to the top by sunrise. There were three or four in the distance with plumes of uh, black smoke coming out of the top of the volcanoes. The sun was glittering on the water and that that was great peak. That that was a good one. Um, another one probably at the opposite end of the temperature scale was, yeah, as you just said there, ocean rowing. This was up in, actually, that was with, with Alex. I think it might have been a team pee, this one. Um, we were kind of, we just got as far north as we could, surrounded by icebergs, trying not to get pinched between them as they creaked and moved. But it was the perfect calm moment to have a pee off the side of the boat into the water. And uh, that was a good one.
0: So-, so, do you also hold the record then for the furthest northern <laughs> team to- pee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm surprised the captain didn't try and get that one as well actually yeah
1: (laughs) i love this that's fantastic um if people want to see like we've mentioned the instagram posts about your swim where can they find you online
2: sure yes there's an instagram page uh the world be a playground um the world is a playground was taken so the world be a playground it had to be and uh yeah that's that's it
1: yeah fantastic well, we are so grateful for your time today, Danny. It's absolutely lovely to see you and to, t- and to talk to you. Thank you so much. We are conscious that there's just so much we could have talked about, but this has been fantastic. So thank you.
2: Thank you for the invite. It's great to be a part of this, this exciting new show.
0: Yeah. And if we can steal any more of your time, we will definitely ask for it in the future. That was so fun. And yeah, you've got so many interesting things that we could probably talk to you again. Like we said with Rob for like six or seven hours, I'm sure that we would love to, but we all have lives. It's the Everyday Adventure podcast. So <laughs> thank you so much. It's been really fun.
1: All the best, Danny. Thank you.
2: Awesome, day. No, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours Podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at into the wee hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton. To read the show notes
1: or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Happy adventuring, and we will talk to you next time.